Travelcast B-Sides, episode 56, Tick Flick, by Mike Allen. This story first appeared in Mike Allen's debut short story collection, Unseeming, which was just released this month to starred reviews in Publishers Weekly and Library Journal. Find a link in our show notes. So without further ado, we bring you Tick Flick, by Mike Allen. Greg jabbed Jeff's third shoulder, though he made sure he didn't hit hard enough to capsize the snack bucket. Jeff would make him pay if he did. Quit hogging the candy. Trailer's almost over. Jeff took his mouth out of his food long enough to ask, What kind you want? You know, a softy. None left. Liar. I know you ain't drunk em all yet. Jeff shrugged his shoulders and relented. Here... Greg clutched the softy with four hands to make sure it couldn't slip away. He used two more hands to open it so he could really sink his mouth in. It still wriggled a bit. He couldn't keep it under control and focus on the scenes projected across the dome at the same time. Thank God's hook-covered tongue it was just a trailer, and for a horror movie at that. He didn't much care for horror. He didn't understand why they'd put that kind of preview in front of a comedy anyways. He did catch the very end. On the right side of the dome, a shapely girl gorged contentedly, her expanding flesh filmed from a flattering angle, a suggestive angle, showing no sign she was aware of the siphon-wielding maniac crawling into view on the dome's left. The image wavered in disconcerting fashion before fading to black. Greg didn't even bother reading the title, as if this same ridiculous scene had not been played out over and over in one cheap slice-fest after another. Jeff freed his mouth to chortle. (laughs) I saw you tense up. What? You can't handle a little scare. I saw you tense up. Did not. Greg pounced on a quick subject change. Give me another softie. Out of softies, for real this time. The other kind, then. Jeff drew out a full groan and, in a rare show of courtesy, split it himself, a messy and noisy process. He did grumble. I thought they put more suppression juice in these. Greg wondered, too, once the movie started, was that noise going to interrupt every time someone got hungry? Then Jeff laughed. (laughs) Maybe they can't help but wake up once they're getting eaten. The flick was starting. Shh. Greg admonished before starting on his half, not as sweet as a softy, but still rich and heady, a pleasant mix of salty taste and thick texture. Greg wasn't prepared for the movie to open with a scene of lovemaking. No one had asked him or Jeff their ages when they bought snacks and tickets. They were both big for fifth in star, and the truth was, Greg had never been asked his age before at the theater, but it had never occurred to him that the staff just didn't care, that they weren't even trying to stop him from seeing something like this. The actress, she was so beautiful, and she was feeding and swelling even as her lover mounted her, the dirtiest and most decadently sensual thing Greg had ever seen in his short life. The view swooped around the couple, hugging contours close enough to show the sensory hairs. Greg didn't realize he was holding his breath until he exhaled all at once with a big whoosh. 
He was afraid Jeff would laugh at him, but his friend was mesmerized by the panorama as well. The bodies of the lovers dominated the entire curvature of the dome, going out of focus here and there in a manner surely meant to further tease. The entire sight was so distracting, and the view so close and claustrophobic, that the long blade that scissored through the woman's head arrived with no warning. Her mate continued his business, oblivious to the host blood pumping back out through her wound, until he detected her body shrinking in his arms. He looked around, startled, and noticed the space where her head had been. Huh? He said, a stupid noise, all his eyes bulging. Then the blade snipped his head away, too. Aghast, throat constricting, it took Greg a moment to comprehend that the awful noise in his ear was Jeff's howling laughter. He jabbed his friend's shoulder again, this time not caring how hard. You said this was a comedy. <laughs> it is, Jeff gasped. Shh. The splatter from the blood formed the letters of the title, Love Reaper, which made Jeff laugh even harder. Heat pulled from behind Greg's eyes. He didn't like horror movies. He'd specifically asked Jeff to pick something fun. Not for the first time, he wished there were other kids willing to hang out with him. But Jeff was the only one, and he was the only one who hung out with Jeff, so they were both stuck. Sometimes he really wished he had someone else, anyone else, to spend time with outside school. He had no idea what Jeff thought, and was sure that if he asked, Jeff would just make fun of him. The letters went weirdly out of focus, as if the membrane of the dome rippled. Then the alarm sounded. The way the trailer and now the film had kept going out of whack, that wasn't the projection. That was the telltale tremors as the host surfaced from its stupor and tried to move on. Jeff shoved him with all four right arms. Stations are over. Go on, go. The other members of the audience were already scrambling toward the walls. Greg's innards burned in psychosomatic anticipation of what was coming. Whenever the host resisted, every citizen had a sacred duty to join in the suppression, exsanguinating the host at every possible point, weakening its strength until a new flood of chemicals could send it back into stupor. They had to be careful, though. Only stupor, not death. The host was their home, the source of their sustenance, the center of their commerce, its flesh the walls of their cities. The death of the host was death to the people. Greg had recited that mantra since he was tiny. He pulled down the flaps at the first station he reached and plunged his mouth into the flesh of the host. It was nothing like the softies, gritty, fibrous, its intense coppery tang dirtied with other metals and unidentifiable chemicals. The additives were going to make him sick, with throbbing aches in his joints and stinging acid burns in his throat and guts. When he was little, he'd had a medical exemption, but the first time there'd been an alarm at school with no teachers nearby to isolate him, the other kids had surrounded him and threatened to pull off one of his arms if he didn't join in the suppression. He'd been sick for days afterward, and his mother had scolded him non-stop, but he still had all of his arms, and he understood that to keep them, he had to suck it up. And so he did, quite literally. Thank God's lucky quest that alarms were rare, or at least they used to be rare. 
The fluid from the host filled him like motor oil. He fought against the instinct to yank out his mouth and vomit it all up. Then the hallucination started. Greg wanted to moan aloud, not again, not again, as sensations overwhelmed him of infinite mass, of vast immobile weight, of many-limbed multitudes crawling through every cavity of his inconceivably huge body, the maddening itch of their bites by the millions. Sightless, he wanted to scream, tongue as paralyzed as the rest of his body, swarming inside and out with spiny invaders. The alarm stopped. Thank God, thank her swollen belly, and Greg sprang away, spitting host juice. He hunkered down on his arms and trembled, praying for the visions to go away. Each time, they took longer to fade. He still itched with itches he couldn't scratch as he clambered back into his seat. The hallucination shamed him. He knew of no one who had ever experienced anything similar. It was as if some perverse impulse compelled him to sympathize with the host, which was the grossest possible blasphemy. Next to him, Jeff fidgeted, unusually quiet. The movie resumed, of course, with a quartet of randy youngsters descending to the lake for a weekend getaway. At least Greg's misery let him tune it out. He took spiteful pleasure in the notion that the flick had probably been ruined for Jeff, too. His miserable delight lasted for about a minute, and then Jeff nudged him again. What? he snapped, surprised at the volume of his voice. Jeff flinched, then reached toward him once more. A softy squirmed in his hand. Greg turned to focus all his left eyes on the offer. You said they were gone. I... Greg stopped just short of accusing his buddy of lying. Because if he was lying and hoarding one last softy for himself, why reveal the ruse now? I... I was saving it for after the movie. I was going to surprise you. He nodded at the stations along the wall. But I know the host blood makes you feel bad. So I thought... Someone shushed Jeff. He was being a little loud himself. Shame warmed the spaces behind and beneath Greg's eyes. Something else, too. A tightness across the bands of his hearts that wasn't at all unpleasant. He forgot to say thank you as he accepted the gift, but he did manage a nod. Jeff shifted uncomfortably, then nodded back and turned his attention back to the dome. This softy made a high-pitched little scream as Greg sank his mouth in, but he didn't care. He didn't care either that he still had more than an hour of Love Reaper to go. Even the grossness of the host blood in his guts didn't bother him. He was having a great day, a really great day, and it was only going to get better. You've been listening to Travelcast B-Sides. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, Jessica Craddock. And special thanks to you, our Travelcast B-Sides $10 a month subscribers, for subscribing to the Travelcast and helping us do what we do. We greatly appreciate it. 